Attention, everyone. This is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Welcome to episode 97 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and uh, this month is the second episode for November 2013, and we are talking about Matango, a.k.a. Attack of the Mushroom People. And joining me here in studio tonight, we have Martin Bavra. Hey, hey. And Rachel Cook. Hello. And uh, we are definitely going to be talking about the... Fear-inducing fungi. I'm making this up off the top of my head. That is uh, <laughs> this movie, but uh, we do have some news to cover, and we do have some music as well. Uh, we actually had a ton of requests, and instead of just cherry picking them, I'm gonna just uh, play most of them. So I think all of them actually. So we're gonna start things off with a request from uh, actually both Samuel and Eric, who wanted to hear Double Event from Pacific Rim. And then we're going to move into The X from Outer Space by Damon Alexander and the Tencent Rentals for John. Um, we're actually going to spread the music a little bit more throughout the entire episode, break up some of the, some of the talky bits with, uh, with tunes. So here we go with Double Event from Ramin Juwadi from Pacific Rim.
and let that uh, ring out there as we <laughs> say who we played again. That was Double Event from Pacific Rim by Ramin Jawadi. And uh, that was a request from, seriously, two people requested that song. Eric and Samuel both requested it. And then uh, John requested the X from Outer Space from a band called Damon Alexander and the Ten Cent Rentals, who I'd never heard of before. But uh, hey, it's called the X from Outer Space, so... You can't really go wrong with that. We are going to have a few more songs remaining. I don't know why I did that in there, but uh, <laughs> scratching the record. Uh, <laughs> we have a couple more songs throughout the rest of the episode, but we are going to go ahead and get into our Daikaiju discussions. And I don't have this written down in front of me, which is stupid, but uh, once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussions every month, the Kaiju cast takes a look at one film in the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with providing their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomized the list <laughs> on oh, camera. So goes. Keep going. Uh, randomly assigned one movie to each month, solidifying that this podcast will keep going for a long, long time. Yay! Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You'd think if I had said it like so many times that I would actually be able to remember it. Fifty years ago, Ishiro Honda directed a film that not only works to entertain, but also to chill. Matongo, also known as the sensationally titled Attack of the Mushroom People, thanks AIP, was released on August 11th, 1963, and features a very familiar cast for anyone who loves Toho's kaiju films. Kenji Sahara, Yoshio Tsuchiya, Hiroshi Koizumi, Akira Kubo, Kumi Mizuno, and, amongst others, Hideo Amamoto. The monsters in this film were designed by Akira Watanabe, and one of them is credited as being played by suit actor Haruo Nakajima. The plot was based on a short story written in 1907 by William Hope Hodgson called A Voice in the Night. But how does it translate to film? And from the Japanese perspective, let's find out. Seven young people shipwrecked on a mysterious island. The island was deserted. Not even birds or animals dared to come here. What did they find? Hey! Hey! Seaweed, fish, and turtle things. Anything we can eat, as well as snakes and lizards. Just let me finish. There's a lot of grass growing around here. You can eat the roots. You can eat the roots of a lot of plants here. Never thought of that, did you? They were driven to the edge of starvation. Food was scarce, and they were forbidden to eat the mushrooms that grew on the island. Fear and hunger turned them against each other. <gasps> I'll kill you. Matango will help me live. I haven't been hungry since I left the ship. Maybe. Oh, help me. Help me. Please. Can't we eat the mushrooms now? That would really be the end of us. Akiko! Thank <laughs> you. 
Matongo, the horrible mushrooms. Matongo, the vegetable monster. Can they escape the dreaded Matongo? You'll find out when you see Matongo. <laughs> You're supposed to do the high-pitched laughing, and then we'll go. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. So uh, we just finished watching Matongo. This is probably my second or third time seeing the film. Um, And we know Martin hasn't seen it before, so this is a brand new experience for him. All new. And uh, Rachel, how many times have you seen this one? I think I've seen it two times before, at least. Might have been three. I knew that I had heard about it for a long time, and then it finally came out on DVD, or when it finally came out on DVD from Tokyo Shock, I picked that up, and I was very, very happy to buy it. It was when they were releasing Varan and uh, Atragon and stuff like that, so I was all about, like, must get these now. Uh, luckily, it's actually still available on on uh, Amazon. You can still get it for, like, 25 bucks. Uh, but anyway, what do you guys think? I think I love this movie. It's it's so good. I I was very excited to to watch it again. Um, just the bizarreness of it is fantastic. I just yeah, it I, is I a love bizarre it. <laughs> film for sure. It's, it's got it's got a lot of elements of like what I consider to be like almost universal era horror movie like mm-hmm. sort of stuff going on. Like really, especially the soundtrack from I think it's Sadao Beku. Like really, even though. It's sparse, like when it's going on, it's really kind of like eerie and just yeah. really reminiscent of like the music you hear in like the Dracula film. Yeah, definitely. It felt like two different movies that neither one of them got to be completed. Okay. In a lot of ways. Right. Three. Because really, we, I mean, we don't spend a whole lot of time on the mushroom thing until really at the end. You know, there's a little right. bit of it. There, There's the whole mold and fungus and everything that's all over the ship and they clean it up and they have the one incident uh with the the mushroom person on the on the boat but i mean really for a long time nothing happens until you know really close to the end so it seems like really this is kind of it's the shipwreck uh societal question of you know people falling apart and turning on each other and how that all goes wrong and, oh yeah, and, for sure. And then there's the the trippy weird thing that happens to be on the island that that gets tucked into there. Um and so yeah, it just I uh, I don't know, I guess I I wanted it to tip a little bit more one way or the other. Hmm. And uh as, as opposed to it just felt a little incomplete like it cuz you could have almost dropped the whole mushroom thing out of it and and had these guys just kind of lord of the flies in it on on each other. <laughs> I thought of lord of the flies too when watching. Yeah, actually. you could yeah. you could do that and you could and you could have reeled in a lot of that stuff and really gone just total like mushroom trip on this yeah. thing. Especially when they I love on on the ship when they're like just walking around, you know, like starting to come onto the ship and you see them popping through the portal windows, mm-hmm. you know, so creepy and great. Yeah. And you're like, what the heck is that? And I kept thinking, because I played the game Last of Us recently, I kept thinking they look like clickers. <laughs> you know, maybe they won't see you. They're only immune to sound. But, you know, but then I have to remind myself it's not that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but it's just awesome looking creatures i love the look of them just fantastic especially when they get into the forest it's so what's so your great. favorite uh stage of becoming a matongo Ooh. man 
That's a tough one. Um, I'm glad hmm. you asked it that way because I didn't. I didn't know what the difference was, and that's what they are. Their stages. I would imagine. I mean, you've got like yeah. You you definitely see the progression in the movie because yeah. no one who's in the film goes full fledged Matongo man until right. I mean, you because at the very end of the film, you see the writer and mommy is like they they have. Mm-hmm. elements of it on their hands and the, the edges of their of their face but they're not like they don't have like a whole bunch of like fungi growing on their face right and there's the ones that are yeah. very much like human form yeah those guys got too, all the yeah. big pustules and all that stuff but then there's the mushroom heads and so i didn't i didn't know if there was supposed to be like an indigenous version of like these are living mushrooms that are wandering around and these are the ones that are the converted ones and they because they never become the full white cat kind of thing so. you know I, it's one of those things this is a this that's is a movie that's kind of like <laughs> yeah. this is a movie that's sort of uh i don't want to say that it's obscure because it's not obscure but i think a lot of godzilla fans sort of gloss over this film because it's not a giant monster movie and it's not your typical monster movie it's more like a japanese horror film mm-hmm. uh, especially an old school japanese horror film that ship was great the whole time i was thinking yeah. man if they had turned the lights down a little bit more like if it was not so well lit that would really that ship was really well done that could have been so creepy i still thought mm-hmm. it was creepy i mean i but you know to be honest i i enjoy the creep factor mm-hmm. of japanese horror movies like i watched this movie um i have it up there in the collection but it's like uh, a haunted house movie that involves some cat ghost and um the first time I watched it, I was like watching it by myself in the dark. And I was like, this movie is so creepy. And then I watched <laughs> it with my friend Lindsay. And I was like, I don't know what happened. This movie was really a lot creepier last time I was watching it. I'm sorry. I thought this was going to be a really great creepy movie. Uh So I, I tend to like build that up in my head as sort of like this movie is super scary. But that but makes for good actually, horror that it is. I think made, it is. Yeah. I think it mm-hmm. is. But but the uh, but this movie as well also has some of those aspects where I'm like, oh my god. But you know, it's not as scary to other people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, the, I think I think that's probably the last stage is becoming the full fledged mushroom man. Gotcha. You know, but I don't know. I mean, I would say that the the guys that were on the ship. Those guys were the ones that you saw walking around the ship that were mm-hmm. sort of like grabbing the the new right. cast members, <laughs> the yeah. new castaways, and uh, and taking them out into the forest. But you know the if, I I would imagine that eventually those guys are going to turn into the you know the big mushroom guys later. Mm-hmm. I liked the variation though. It wasn't just they didn't mm-hmm. all look the same. There some of them had like the crazy long stemmed mushrooms mm-hmm. growing out of mm-hmm. them. mushrooms are creepy man (laughs) yeah and this movie's 50 years old now this is a 50 year old film it's uh i don't know i think it really puts it into perspective if you think about other movie franchises that are 50 years old and Mm -hmm. i mean i don't i am not i would say from the (laughs) from the mid 50s until you know the 70s i don't know any horror movies from american horror movies from that era at all like this is this is 
new territory. So I don't know what was happening in the States at this time. It's too bad Jeff's not here. I know. <laughs> well, and in, in England, that would be Hammer Films. I think Hammer Studios was, was putting out films in that time, weren't they? Um, and I, and I, I am not trying to double for Jeff because that would be ridiculous on my part, but I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of taking a, a stab at it there that I, I think Hammer oh, was putting out films. Um, Hitchcock was putting out films yeah, certainly absolutely. at that time. Yeah, Yeah, first, well, I know you about know, but that's, Hitchcock. You know, not U.S., yeah. But, well, wasn't well, it? Did, I mean, Nah, see, I'm so out of my. Okay, we just, I'm Donnie. I'm out of my element, yeah. and Let's I don't. Just, I don't know. He obviously he was not from the states, but a lot of his actors were uh, right, and I think that he worked out of Hollywood for a for a good portion of his films. Yeah. So, I we yeah we should just uh, segue the next episode Jeff's on into some horror. <laughs> Thanks for leaving us hanging, Jeff. Thanks yeah. a lot, buddy. Yeah, he didn't <laughs> even give me. He didn't even have the decency to give me an excuse as to why he couldn't come tonight because there was bacon on the maple bar <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but i do think that like the the horror films that were made in the 60s around the world let's just say mm-hmm. that were they were sort of in this same vein you know we definitely didn't have like a ton of jump scares and like mm-hmm. loud noises that you get in modern horror films and Definitely not a gore fest. You never would have seen that in a Japanese film no. at the time, I think. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think, I wonder, like, how well this did, not at the box office, but like as a scary movie, like, if you had gone back to 1966, let's say, and said, Hey, uh, random Japanese person on the street, what'd you think of Matongo? Like, would they be like, oh, that movie was terrifying. I didn't like it. Because this could, you know, this could be terrifying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really, I really enjoy this film for what it is. And I know it's, I know it's not a kaiju film or a daikaiju film, but it's definitely got weird creatures in it. And it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of positives in it for me. I, I think one of my favorite parts about it is the, is the fact that, um, as the as the women, I'll just say Kumi Mizuno's character mostly, but as they start to eat the mushrooms, they get sort of like back to their beauty because everyone looks so <laughs> like strung out essentially, yeah. and like mm-hmm. like at the edge, they're all on the edge. Like before they start eating the mushrooms, and then they eat the mushrooms, and they're like, ah, yes. They even kind of bring it out of you know how they'll bring women slightly out of focus to make them look more beautiful at that yeah, time in yeah. films. They even kind of do that with the women. Yeah, they like, totally do that. Oh, when soft, yeah, you know. when Yoshio Tsuchiya yeah. eats his first mushrooms, uh, and even and like, well, I'll talk about his performance in a second. But yeah, as he eats the mushroom, like they totally soften the focus on Kumi Mizuno's character, Mommy. But uh, yeah, when he eats. That was like a great scene to me, like if amazing, not amazing acting, but like just really good acting because he was all like, I'm, you know, on the edge and strung out. And then he starts eating the mushrooms and then his face just changes mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. is soft and he is totally high, man. Like <laughs> You could just see it. I mean, that was before the, the little animation of the like little flashing lights and mm-hmm. the uh, dancing girls, which was interesting in, in and of itself. So, uh, yeah, that was I, I really think that my favorite aspect of this film is the acting. And that's why I wanted to watch it um, in Japanese and not dubbed is because I really this movie, I wanted to get the full fledged 
experience of uh of seeing the japanese performances um what anything stand apart as being super awesome in this to you guys well like i said i i thought the ship just that you know a, a lot of the film takes place on that that old derelict ship and it was just it was just built really well it was that was a really neat set piece that whole thing and that's uh, not knowing my my 1960s films all that well or even in Japan you know for a Godzilla film and they're building an entire section of Tokyo and they've got buildings all over the place and people in giant suits are running through there and blowing them all up that's all necessary and built to whatever scales and all that stuff you know it's that's a pretty good deal building a ship out there somewhere and having that as your set piece and again that thing was they they creepified it by covering it all over with mold and then demolded it and then remolded it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that was disgusting. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. it. Was a heck of a job. Yeah, yeah. I I think the first time I watched the movie, I was really kind of turned off by the <laughs> the amount of grossness that was everywhere and like. Yeah, they did a fantastic job yep. on that. That guy was wiping off the window at one point in time to look yeah. through the glass, and I thought we were mm-hmm. going to get a jump scare out of that, which we didn't. Yeah. But you could see, like, whatever the powdery kind of moldy stuff, but there was also, like, a little slime that was mixed in there. Yeah. I was like, good, good job, guys. That was yeah. awful. Mm-hmm. Well, man. Yeah. This kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies just thinking about it. I don't like cleaning bathrooms either, so that's <laughs> kind of a, it's kind of coming into play right now. But yeah, I I liked the scenes. I thought it was cool how they would show the mushrooms growing and just the <clears throat> oh, in the like rain the, when they were yeah, like, in the yeah. rain and you'd see them, that you know, pretty good getting bigger or at least shooting up, and th- that was that was pretty awesome. But yeah, I I do like um overall just seeing the different versions like we talked about of the mushroom people were yeah. great. That was that was awesome. And to get back to what my favorite was, I'd say the final stage. I think that is a fantastic costume. I love the look of that. If I, if I could pull off making that as a Halloween costume <laughs> <laughs> and have no idea. There'd be so many people that have no clue what I was. They'd just be like, are you a mushroom? They'd be coming up to you going, chopping the broccoli. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like broccoli man, yeah. Oh. <laughs> And then you just shake your fist at them like, how dare you? <laughs> I'm a fungus. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, that would be a cool costume. I really like the, I mean, it's, I think that the mushroom men are definitely the goofiest part of the transformation yeah. because they, they, they almost look plush in a sense. Yeah. Like they've got like, <laughs> they almost look like, oh, mushroom man, let me give you a big hug. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but the uh, apparently that has mixed design. consequences as we start. Yeah, I guess at the so. End. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anybody can hug a mushroom man. You just might not be able to get away. The uh, the company that I buy a ton of toys from X Plus. One of their first uh, like their first figures. They did a Matongo figure, and I mm. I don't have it in my collection yet. And um, actually, I don't have any Matongo stuff in my collection at all. It's kind of, we were talking during the movie, it's a little hard to find that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Godzilla's everywhere. Rodan, King Ghidra, there's a ton of those things out there. But there's, I mean, there's a lot of Matongo stuff, but it's just not easy to find. Not nearly as easy as finding a Mecha Godzilla figure. 
Right. I remember seeing, um, I think they were Bullmark Matongo figures. They were just, I remember them being real bright colored at G-Fest a handful of years ago. And they were fantastic looking and I wanted to buy them so very badly, especially because I had just recently watched Matongo again right before going to G-Fest. And they're so great, but they, I think they were 300 or $350 and I just... I had to use my money on buying as much Pigmon stuff as I, I could of course, find. Of course, of you course. Know? So <laughs> it makes sense. Couldn't get the Matango figures at the time, but I still want to get them at some point. Yeah, someday I'll find one. I think the uh, the company that makes these tiny little guys over here, yeah, Castco, they've they've made some Matango stuff for sure. That shouldn't be that expensive, I guess, but I'm not exactly sure. Has anyone ever made a plush? Mm, I don't know. Check so Etsy. You're talking about yeah, I know. <laughs> talking about plush ones. I could probably whip something out. Right on. <laughs> uh, so, uh, is there anything that struck you guys as like super just weird? Like you didn't really care for it in the film. I didn't have anything that was specific story and whatnot, but I I've noticed this on several films, and I'm I'm always curious about what the film was made like any of the films made in their time and then being transferred from reel to reel VHS DVD converted over dozens of times or whatever, because I noticed, and I noticed it several times in this one, there's a lot of sound elements that are missing mm. a lot of times. I noticed that there's a lot of things that are going on and there's no sound effect for it. Like there's nothing happening. Yeah. I really feel like that's, that is something that's like a sign of the times kind of thing. Less mm. about like, changing formats and you know transferring things but like if we're watching like remember when we were watching the original godzilla and my criticism of it was that there are times when godzilla puts his foot down and it goes and then there are times when he puts his foot down and there's nothing Mm -hmm. and it's just like it's the inconsistency of it that bothers that bothered me that's that was my big you know qualm with the, mm. <laughs> with the original Godzilla film. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that I it does bother me as a as a movie watcher. Mm-hmm. And so I I guess I give most of these films some leeway because it's been happening like that for a long time. Oh yeah, it's in <laughs> yeah. almost all of them and I and I pretty much chalk it up to budget and time. Yeah, You know, that they're probably at that point where it's like, we don't have any money left and we just got to get this thing out the door and it's got to get into a theater. Now! Yeah. No more sound effects! That's right. Now! <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, that does, that totally bothers me too. Mm-hmm. But I didn't recognize it so much in this. I think if I could go back for every single kaiju film and it's like, fill in the gaps soundtrack wise you guys would all like that right listeners that would be something <laughs> worth, totally worthwhile my of my time uh yeah it's just yeah i totally agree. would you do a daikaiju foley episode yeah yeah <laughs> so i'm hitting play now <laughs> this is my feet in a sandbox <laughs> <laughs> yeah i could totally do that man <laughs> look everybody godzilla's farting <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. What about you, Rachel? <laughs> Anything that bugged you about the film? Um, I would say kind of look along the lines of what Martin was talking about about how um you want to get to the mushroom people sooner. Almost like if if you know make up your minds if you want to do the kind of suspense, you know, people 
lost on a deserted island, you know, they're shipwrecked um, kind of thing. Or if you want to do the mushroom people thing. But at the same time, I really, I, I love that they build it up so much and then it is a great reveal. And so I, you know, I guess my gripe is each time I watch it, I always think that, that, Man, I don't remember it taking so long to get to the to the mushroom people, but I think it's just yeah. I'm, you know, they really set it up. But I think they when anytime I look back on it though, I'm always like, so great. I love, you know. Yeah. All of it. And I forget how long it does actually feel like when you're watching the movie, but I think it's just it's so built up that you just can't wait to get to it that you know, finally you know, when it does come along, it does seem like it was a long ways away. But I guess that's the only really gripe I have. I So it's like kind of in terms of the pacing of the film, yeah, maybe. So, yeah, I think so. like I think there were a couple times where I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, there were things that could have been cut. But I also kind of feel like they maybe lent to the whole like feeling of despair that you get. Like, yeah, we're stuck here for a long time and we're not going to get off this island. You know, that's sort of. And that's right. that's sort of the impending doom that you feel throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And then what I tend to feel is the climax of the film is that last, you know, five minutes. That's the mm-hmm. climax of the film. You don't get a super drawn out conclusion. You get sort of like that exposition right at the end with with him in his cell and he turns around. You know, that's sort of, I don't know, it doesn't bother me so much, but... I definitely feel what you're saying. Like some of it seems a little drawn out and I could, I could, you know, you could maybe chop a little bit out here and there, but I really do like the, the sense of despair. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely effective. Now I did think that they do that part of it. Right. Yeah. Did either of you guys read a voice in the night? Yes. Yeah. I did not. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, apparent that it was written in 1907. It's like, <laughs> and it's a short story, so it's not very long. Obviously, that's what a short story means. But the, uh, <laughs> it's a good, it's a good story. Basically, I'll just nutshell it for you. It's, uh, it's these two guys on a boat, and they're, um, they've encountered some fog, and all of a sudden, one of them's on watch, and they hear, like, the oars of a boat coming and they call out to the boat and the boat is like hey do you have any food and it's like you know small little um like a lifeboat kind of thing i'm assuming <clears throat> and so uh they're like yeah we can give you some food kind of you know come on board and the the voice in the night is like no i can't do that you gotta just sort of like float it out to me no light don't show you shine your light over here and so the the voice goes away after they give it food and then it comes back and it tells the tale of like this old man and his uh, wife, I think, that went on a that that got shipwrecked essentially, and that, that sort of parallels this story we saw in Matongo, and he sort of tells about how you know they are infected, and then right at the end of the story, spoilers, uh, the uh, <laughs> the the boat goes away, and right as it's, uh, the lifeboat is going away, right as it sort of crests the the last point where the guy could maybe see any of it like some light comes across the horizon and he sees that the guy, you know, rowing the boat away is sort of like a mushroom man kind of thing. Uh, it's, it's good. It's a good little creepy story. Nice. Yeah. It was, mm-hmm. it was fun to read. I had never read it actually before this, uh, before this month. So, uh, 
yeah, any uh, any final thoughts on the film or anything else you guys want to say specifically towards Matango? Uh, you know, I, admittedly, I was going into this thinking this was going to be a really cheeseball, cheesy, corny film. I, I really did for no other reason than, you know, just the <laughs> description of it and the one crazy picture I saw. Attack of the <laughs> mushroom people! Exactly. I, yeah, I was completely prepared for just like an hour and 40 minutes of, of ham bone film. And it wasn't. It was actually, it was, it, I, I was... Uh, I was surprised by it and I really enjoyed it. And yeah, you know, the other, that the slight complaint of it feeling like two, two sliced movies, you know, that was, I, I was glad that it didn't take the turn that I had expected. Right on. I would say that just this movie is a lot of fun. And yet, well, it's not really a kaiju movie, it's a great Japanese monster movie. And I, I thoroughly enjoy it for those reasons, I'd say. Yeah. I would um, definitely I would definitely say that this is a very enjoyable film. And it's one mm-hmm. of those movies where, you know, talking about what you know, what would I change is it's almost uh, like nothing. Yeah. I don't th- I don't think any I don't think any of my gripes with this film are really change worthy. Like Nope, send it back to the cutting room. You know, it's like there's so much good in this film and the acting is fantastic. Just mm-hmm. really good. And it's so cool to actually see um see Kenji Sahara and Akira Kubo and uh Kumi Mizuno like really, really polishing their acting chops and showing you what they can do in a film. And uh you know, I read an interview, I read a little bit, a portion, or I guess you'd call that an excerpt from an interview with Kenji Sahara, and he was talking about how before Matango, excuse me, before Matango, he had only really played, like, uh, good-looking salarymen, and so this was his first, like, chance at playing, like, kind of a skeezy character, and he did such a good job. <laughs> so good. And I love how everybody like slowly goes crazy and like it's definitely a progression from start to finish. I just I really really enjoy the film and I I definitely think that kaiju fans once they sort of have gone through the giant monster movies, they should absolutely seek this film out because it's it's a great great film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, right on. Well, we did get user reviews in, starting with one of our Kaiju Core members, Benjamin Erickson, sent in his review, and it sounds like this. Matango was a movie I had not seen until relatively recently, which might have been for the best as a film that creepy and surreal could have wreaked havoc on the wild imagination of my youth. Aside from the great performances and excellent story, I think much of this has to do with the very nature of the Matango itself. Fungi, commonplace as they are, seem rather alien when you look at them in the classic sense of flora and fauna. They have an outwardly vegetative appearance and lifestyle, yet are more genetically similar to us than plants. Some can be poisonous, or psychotropic, or even parasitic. And as the passengers and crew of our ill-fated yacht found out, sometimes a strange combination of the three. All these qualities are exemplified by Subaraya and Nakano's craftsmanship with the makeup, props, and suits. Already grotesque in form, color was used in the Matango to great effect. Drawing reds from the deadly fly Amanita, 
blues from common red mold, or pale yellows from a sulfur polypore, the fungal monsters manage to look both vibrant and repugnant at the same time. Perhaps even more unnerving is the fact that with some fungi, whatever grows on the surface, be it mushroom bracket or ascocarp, it is but a small portion of the actual organism, the bulk of which lies beneath the soil. It is highly likely there is a thick mat of root-like mycelia permeating the strata of Matango's island domain, sensing you from the moment you make landfall. After witnessing what transpired there, one has to hope that, as he sits in his padded Tokyo cell, Kenji only brought back nightmares, and not a stray spore. So, uh, not only did uh, Benjamin do his homework, he did his homework. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that was amazing, dude. Did uh, I don't know if you study mushrooms, like, for school, or if that's your job, mushroomologist, but nice job. <laughs> so, uh, Benjamin is a member of the Kaiju Corps. He has opted for the top-level Kaiju Colonel, which gives him access to the voicemail daikaiju discussion if you would like to join the kaiju corps we have three different levels corporal captain and colonel go to kaijucast.com slash support to check that out and we did get more in and i'm gonna go ahead and start with herman who loves matango and always thought of this film as a kind of invasion of the body snatchers as seen through a toho slash honda filter he finds the concepts similar on one hand you have vegetative pods on the other you have a fungus they both exploit a basic necessity of human biology the body snatcher pods prey on our need to sleep eventually matango preys on your need to eat eventually both matango and the pods threaten to take away our humanity and change us into something we don't want to become the pods turn us into emotionless drones with no physical change matango physically mutates us hideously and turns us into animalistic savages the film is not perfect. It has some slow parts, and Herman thinks they should have intensified and emphasized the fact that the cast faced a grim choice of starvation or becoming monsters. The highlight of the film is the creepy scene in which the crew are all frightened into one room while they wait for the mushroom person to walk down the hall into the room they're in. To this day, this scene scares Herman like a kid pulling the blankets over his head. Although he thinks Matango is a kaiju film, He's more likely to show it to friends who would who enjoy obscure, bizarre horror movies. Adam thinks that Matango can probably be considered Honda's greatest missed opportunity in making a truly fantastic horror movie. Unlike many of Honda's other fantasy films, Matango is not effects-driven, but rather character-driven, with the seven deadly sins all present and accounted for, averaging out to one for each person. A group of stranded castaways stuck on a far-from-tropical-island paradise with sheer cliffs dotting the interior thick with jungle foliage, the air moist and either gut-wrenchingly hot or bone-chillingly cold, capricious fog which is everywhere obliterating the landscape and disorienting the hapless explorer, and although the sun does make brief and sporadic appearances, it does have little to alleviate the dampness that hangs over the island like a shroud even the sand on the beach is black. It is one of the most beautifully shot and acted movies in Honda's genre of work. All cast members give stellar performances. Perhaps the only downsides to the movie are the mushroom people themselves and Honda himself. The mushroom monsters, when shown in full view, look more at home in a Disneyland attraction ride. <laughs> <laughs> 
Perhaps editing full shots of the mushroom people to shorten on-screen time or their total deletion with dark mist-bound interiors and moving shadows of hinted-at shapes substituted in would have intensified the horror. Honda's editing of the Mushroom Man that gains entry into the castaway's cabin so it suddenly disappears ruined a potentially exciting moment. Matango, also known as Attack of the Mushroom People, also known as Anti-Gilligan's Island, (laughs) is definitely the greatest movie ever. You agree with that, man, about the, uh, uh, Martin? Do you agree with the, uh, the sentiment about, you know, Honda should have changed the way that it showed the, the creatures and intensified the horror? I could see that happening. I could see that having a, a benefit for sure. Yeah, po- possibly. You know, when, when we see them, we see them, we have our few instances of, of a couple of singles, you know, through the windows, through the door and all of that stuff. And then we've got the giant, jungle of them and the guy is trapped in the middle of them and he's you know and all that and yeah i think they probably could have played that up a little bit more danny exclaims holy cow this is one hell of a film out of all of the non-godzilla toho kaiju films it's possible matango could just be the greatest of them all in fact danny goes out on a limb to say that after the original godzilla matango is ishiro honda's greatest contribution to the genre The entire film is just so unique and unlike anything to come out of Toho before or since, and stands not only as a great monster film, but a competent and chilling outright horror film as well. The story of a group of friends who, after becoming shipwrecked on a nightmarish island, begin one by one to succumb to temptation and turn on their fellow castaways. Sounds more like a plot to a western horror film but Honda and company handle every aspect of the film beautifully, and the results are remarkable. It's great to see so many Toho regulars like Kenji Sahara, Hiroshi Koizumi, Yoshio Tsuchiya, and Akira Kubo providing such strong and believable performances, arguably some of the best of their careers. Hiroshi Tachikawa and Miki Yashiro also give powerful performances in their respective roles, and Kumi Mizuno fans don't have anything to complain about either, as we get to see an awful lot of her in this film. Mizuno is at her best here, and this is probably her greatest role, next to Miss Namikawa in Monster Zero. Actually, I thought she did better in this film than Monster Zero. Monster Zero she's amazing in, but like this, seriously, the acting... I thought she was really great in this. This was like the best acting in a Toho film ever. Her character is completely in love with herself, always fixing her hair, even when faced with starvation on an uninhabited island. Her vanity is an excellent example of the symbolism and metaphorical nature of the story and its characters. Each of the seven characters represent a part of humanity, some good and most bad. One can even draw biblical analogies and pin one or several of the deadly sins upon the characters as they descend into madness and evil. Greed, gluttony, sloth, envy, and even lust are all at play here. The mushrooms themselves are metaphors for greed and temptation. When consumed, they make the darkest part of the human soul manifest in physical form, with the transformation of man to mushroom reflecting the loss of humanity. The idea of temptation is perhaps most overtly realized when Mami appears before the desperate Kasai the mushrooms having made her more beautiful and alluring. She carries overtones of the snake from the Garden of Eden, tempting her victim with forbidden fruit. Or is that forbidden fungus? Either way, it's pretty mature for a kaiju film. In fact, this movie is incredibly mature, even risque in a few spots. We get men fighting over women, a suggestive psychedelic dance number, and what's this? Kissing in a kaiju film? 
Unprecedented. <laughs> I hope he doesn't mind the rolling R there. This was definitely not a kid's film. In fact, this film has no kitty elements or real cheesiness of any kind. It's all taken dead serious. From the story and the acting to the special effects and the music, Sadao Beku's eerie score fits the film perfectly, and Subaraya and his crew outdid themselves yet again with astounding visual effects. The highlight of the film is the incredibly detailed set of the derelict ship, which must have taken forever to decorate with fake mold. And of course, there are the mushroom people themselves, which range from fungus-covered humans to giant humanoid monstrosities. Aside from being freaking terrifying, Danny's favorite part of the Mushroom Men was hearing Alien Balton's famous laugh in the film it was originally created for. In the end, Matango stands as perhaps the most unique of Toho's early output of monster films, and remains just as special, horrifying, and impressive now as it was 50 years ago. Its final message of humankind becoming increasingly inhuman in civilization as much as on the island of Matango, coupled with one of the most shocking and disturbing endings of any film he has ever seen, remains shockingly relevant as well, and is one of the many reasons anyone who has ever seen Matango will never forget it. Happy 50th birthday, Matango! I don't know if I agree with the deadly sins. I think that's just like... Your opinion, man. Sorry, I needed a, little, I needed a dude reference in there somehow. <laughs> so for Mike, watching Matango is like watching the most subversive episode of Gilligan's Island to ever air. Just replace the straw huts with coconut cream pies uh, and coconut cream pies with parables about addiction and sexual frustration. But hey, the radio's still there. <laughs> nice. This ranks among uh, the best of Honda's non-Daikaiju genre efforts. Mike's pretty sure that he would not have appreciated it as a kid. Too little of the monsters and too many talking heads. It's a good thing that he first saw it in his 20s. This film was inspired by William Hope Hodgson's A Voice in the Night, and in fact somewhat reflected in reality. Do a Google search for zombie ants or cordyceps. Actually, have you done, have you seen this stuff before? Have you seen what he's talking about? I have not. There's actually a fungus, a mushroom, mm -hmm. I guess, that will take over. Uh, this is actually uh, speaking are, to on, the, on, uh, the second thing he said there. The fungus that grows on the ants? This is a that fungus. I'm not sure about that. I'm sure that's what this I'm not sure if that's mm -hmm. the zombie ants thing. But basically, the second thing he said, the... Cordyceps? The cordyceps. Yeah. Holy smokes. It's you crazy. definitely need to look that up. That's There's yeah. like a tarantula or some kind of tarantula like spider that's been mm -hmm. completely taken over by the stuff and it's like growing out of its exoskeleton i think i have seen that yeah there there are a few of those that are yeah as humans we are really fortunate in some of the things that are that get us sick or do things to us the yeah the other parts of the animal kingdom have some horrifying things that go down <laughs> yeah, yeah that's that's what the designers of last of us used as their inspiration for the creatures oh really oh okay yeah but yeah, that's that's how I found out about them. Was I then looked it up, and it's horrific. Creepy. Yeah, it yeah. looks horrific. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, no, no. That's that's good stuff right there. Yeah. Mike's always puzzled at the first appearance of the Matango Isai Amamatu, and the bizarre way that the sequence ends with him vanishing first, followed by the scene dissolve. Uh, he can accept that this was just a bit of artiness on Honda's part. 
But what we are supposed to think really happened after the spook made its appearance. Did it just go away? Why didn't anyone try chasing fungus <laughs> fungus face down? I'm really loving these. These folks came up with some good stuff. It's hard to make it through without giggling about it. Uh, why didn't anyone shoot? I've also got to wonder at the ultimate fate of Akira Kubo. Since he obviously doesn't have any mushroom in the room he's locked up in, will he continue to evolve into a full-fledged Matango? Speaking of which, where did he get the mushrooms during the journey home? Were they growing on the yacht? Interesting aside, one of the many laugh sound effects in the Matango creatures later become the voice of Baltan Sajin in Ultraman. Did I say that right? You did say that right. Yeah. Nice. Well, I think that you find out what happens to Akira Kubo's character in Matango 2, Electric Boogaloo. Oh, that's what I wanted was a sequel out of this. <laughs> yes. I'm excited for the remake. I, I usually despise the Electric Boogaloo jokes, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Mark's first viewing of Matango is back a few years ago when Tokyo Shock released the Toho Pack, which is a box set of three DVDs, them being Mysterians, Varan, and Matango. This was during the time when Tokyo Shock slash Media Blasters was releasing all the awesome and wonderful standalone sci-fi and kaiju movies created by Toho on DVD. Matango is definitely a high point in the kaiju edge horror sci-fi realm of the Showa era, and it's a very interesting and well-made movie. The effects are just spectacular and innovative, especially for the time period, and the story was well-written. It definitely was a well-done way of adapting a story. Matango is a very serious, yet in some parts a fun movie with a slew of some of the finest and greatest actors that are well-known with us Japanese sci-fi and kaiju fans. The acting was on point and showed just how serious they were in their work. It's even pretty amazing that Kenji Sahara went as far as to have his tooth pulled to be even more in tune with the character he was playing. Really? Sidebar. He had a fake tooth. He has a fake tooth right there. Oh. And so oh. he had the fake tooth pulled out so that he would like get more gritty with his character wow amazing nice. yeah i mean it's cool that he had a fake tooth if he had a yeah. real tooth yeah. and pulled that that would be amazing too but anyway back to mark's review this movie reels you in and gets you to feel for the characters because this film is not about a constantly attacking monster it showcases the characters and how a group of well-off people would react if they were stranded with barely anything to survive this brings the worst out in all characters and in a sense it is like Gilligan's Island gone wrong. Mark wouldn't show this movie to someone as their first kaiju film, but definitely would recommend it to anyone who's a big movie buff, as well as to anybody who's a fan of old school horror and cult classics. To any kaiju fan, Mark does highly recommend this movie, and can say to anyone who is already a fan of Toho films to pick this up as soon as possible. Mark ranks this movie with four and a half stars out of five. Matango is definitely one of his favorite horror sci-fi films that Toho's put out, and he hopes others enjoy this movie too. He also notes that issue 96 of G-Fan Magazine had a very awesome write-up about Matango and gave it a wider perspective. So there you go. That's our Daikaiju discussions for the uh, month of November 2013 for the movie Matango. I really enjoyed watching that. That was a lot of fun and amazing that it's celebrating its 50th anniversary. But, you know, Matango is not the only movie to celebrate its 50th anniversary this year. We also have Atragon, which is next month's Dykehydra discussion film. Make sure to have your homework sent in, which is your thoughts, questions, and reviews uh, by... Hmm, that's a good question. Are you guys going anywhere for Christmas or are you staying around here? I'll stay around here. I will not be here. 
You're missing out on Atragon, Martin. Ah, Breaking my heart. <laughs> breaking mine. I haven't seen Atragon. Make sure you have your questions, thoughts, and reviews sent in by December 23rd to get included in the next episode. So I think what we're going to do right now is we're going to play another two requests and then uh, get ready for some news. The requests we're going to play right now, we're going to start off with the Return of Ultraman theme song by Toru Furuki, and that is for Danny. And then we're going to follow that up with the theme from Godzilla, played by the Neil Norman Orchestra, I think it is. That's from the Best Of CD, and that is a request from Steve. Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. All right, so we do have a few news items to speak about this uh, this month. I'm not sure. Have you guys been following any of the 
the big breaking news as far as uh, Godzilla stuff goes? Uh, not really, but I've been spending a lot of time checking up on Gareth Edwards' history because I want to be just like him someday. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of Gareth Edwards, and uh, not necessarily him, but the movie he's making, the Legendary Pictures Godzilla movie, apparently Godzilla's image was leaked on Amazon oh. uh, last week, and this was... Mm, I'm not going to say that I buy that it's the final version of it, but it's like, uh, do you remember when I posted that image from the Brazilian expo where it was like mm -hmm. just Godzilla's face? Yes. Well, if you took the rest of that image, what was that like? That was October, right? Yeah. So last month sometime. Mm -hmm. If you took the rest of that image, which would have been like from the neck down, people have seen that now. It was it was part of a book that was like a book and an action figure together. And Amazon had it on there. And I like went to lunch and I came back from lunch. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, look what hit the Internet. And so a whole bunch of people are freaking out about it. A lot of people freaking out about it in a bad way. They don't like it. A lot of people really? love it. But a lot of people are like, yeah, what is this? It's obviously not a CGI render of the monster. It's just a an artist rendition of it. And it's in my opinion, it's a placeholder. So. If you're listening to this and you don't like what you've seen, yeah, you know, you're perfectly welcome to not like that, obviously. But I would hold, uh, you know, reserve your judgment for, for actually seeing something. Hopefully a trailer, hopefully mm -hmm. something. Speaking of a trailer, there is a rumor that the first actual legit Godzilla trailer is going to be in front of The Hobbit. Oh, really? Yeah, mm. the Desolation of December Smog. Yeah, 9th, yeah, Smog. Is that what it is? It's Smog. Sure. I didn't really enjoy the first of the yeah, of this trilogy either. very much, so I was going to hold off on seeing it, but because of the Godzilla trailer, you don't have to not, watch the whole movie. You can, if yeah. it's not, <laughs> I should just go in and be like, "Hey, I yep. just really want to see the trailer." This Tub of beforehand. popcorn and and the end, yeah, the trailers. <laughs> I wonder if I could get that get away with that. Just walk in and be like, "Hey, man, I don't want to watch this movie. Can I just watch the trailers and then leave?" <laughs> yeah. I bet I could pull that off. You might be able to. You'll have there to is find one out theater the, where you might. Yeah, there'll be, I bet, there'll be at least a couple people there that you can convince and say, listen, I'm just a big fan of Godzilla. Check it out. Here's my stickers. And, yeah, yeah, check it out. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that's a little bit of a rumor there. So nobody's sure exactly, but, you know, people in the know are saying that. Uh, I don't know who those people are necessarily. I do know one of them. But anyway. Getting getting off track. On November 13th, Max Borenstein, who was one of the uh, scriptwriters for Godzilla, tweeted that he just saw his favorite movie of next year, hashtag Godzilla. So that's good. He saw a rough cut. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I was looking over Max Borenstein's IMDb record again, and I was just kind of like, yep, yeah, he's a newbie. Like he hasn't been around for very long, and he was one of the <laughs> five hundred scriptwriters that was the part of the whole Godzilla project. Oh wow, that's not good odds. Yeah, well, it wasn't that many, obviously. But uh, so uh, some cool information about the movie. Apparently, some of it is actually set in nineteen fifty four because the cinematographer Seamus McGarvey uh, was doing an interview for PushingPixels dot org. And in it, he talked about using lenses. And then he specifically mentioned, you know, when we were shooting this stuff for the 1954 sequences in, in Godzilla, we used these lenses. 
And so everybody's like, oh my God, 1954. I've said too much. I've said too much. I've said too much, yeah. (laughs) And then Seamus McGarvey was never heard from again. (laughs) Um, He got a and d (laughs) I don't know. I think that's kind of cool. I mean, I'm looking forward. I'm still, you know, bordering on that cautiously optimistic, but I'm definitely more in the optimistic camp. I want to have that sort of like, Meh feeling because if it does suck, then I'll be like, I knew it, I knew it. It, uh, but if it doesn't suck, which I'm really hoping it doesn't suck, then I'm gonna be very excited about it. Tiger asked me because we were talking about Pacific Rim, and he's like, so you saw Pacific Rim seven times? I'm like, at least seven times. He goes, how many times are you gonna go see Godzilla? And I was like, <laughs> if Godzilla's awesome, <laughs> I will see it more than Pacific Rim for sure. I mean, I will do my duty to get into the theater to see it. And help it out. But, you know, if I walk out of that <laughs> screening and I am not happy, <laughs> I am going to publicly talk about how not happy I am with yeah. it. So if this is an episode one moment, <laughs> yeah. it's this one goodbye. Hopefully this won't be our next drunken commentary. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, Matthew Broderick. Pretty sure we're going to have a few more before this one comes out. On right. Other news items. In 2014, there's going to be a Tokusatsu film festival in San Antonio, Texas, at least if the Indiegogo campaign goes through. You know, check this out. I, uh, I There's a link in the show notes to this Indiegogo campaign. You know, especially if you're in the Texas area, although Texas is huge. So I might just want to say the San Antonio, Austin area. You might want to check that out. Some brand new Godzilla merchandise is being released. Uh, well, it's not actually going to be released until I think April, but it is a 1989 Godzilla bank from Diamond Select Toys. It looks pretty cool. I guess it's being sculpted by Gentle Giant. So I don't know exactly what that means. It, you know what? It reminds me of another like Godzilla model kit that I've seen before, but it's uh it's pretty cool. We're going to be having some more releases as uh as time goes on. This is the calm before the storm, I guess you could say, <laughs> like the first uh, the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. It's all going to yeah. go crazy. So uh and you know, X Plus just released their 30 centimeter figures. Uh, I did pick up Godzilla. I did pick up Mechagodzilla. And because they were like, I think they were over a month late, I asked the Diamond representative, like, what is the impact that that late is going to have, that lateness is going to have on the next release? Because the next release is the Godzilla Mothra King Ghidra Godzilla. So the 2001 Godzilla and the Gargantua Brothers, which I am totally buying those, uh, at least the Gargantua Brothers. And uh, she said that uh, the new release date, uh, the release date was supposed to be like next week, the 27th or something like that. And now the new release date is January 1st. So, wow. yeah, it happens. It happens. I, I, you know, for me, I've dealt with Diamond Comics in the past and they are just notoriously late in so many things. I mean, I, I pre-order a lot of stuff through the comic book shop and through things from another world. And at this point, I, what do I do? I check to see if it's available. I'm like, eh, you know, did this come in? And then when the answer back is no, I'm like, never surprised. So just keep that in mind, people. So that's basically our, our news section for the night. I did want to uh, share some information. There are new kaiju podcasts out there. So as you've known for a while, the Kaiju Cast is not the only game in town. In addition to the Planet X Control Room and Tokyo SOS podcast, you know, it's it's been a long time since I've talked about additional Kaiju podcasts, and, and there's definitely some out there. Toho Kingdom 
They have their podcast and it's got some pretty good stuff in it. Uh, there's a brand, well, it's not brand new now. It's been around for a month or two. Uh, the Screonk Live podcast, which is put together by John Bumpus at Screonk. They are doing a podcast as well. Um, here's a podcast that I really think deserves your attention. I've only really uh, listened to the Godzilla ones, but I'm going to be expanding that. You guys might be interested in this too. There's a podcast called The Greatest Movie Ever. Oh, I should do that. The Greatest, the greatest movie, movie Ever podcast. <laughs> uh, that's how he does it. It's uh, Paul Chapman, a.k.a. the Almighty Gooberzilla. And, you know, when we watch a Daikaiju discussion film here on the show, like, we talk about it, and I have a good time talking about it, but I am in no means, like, am I reviewing it. Paul Chapman, who runs that program, does a fantastic job of reviewing the films. I don't aspire to be a film critic by any means, but he does a really good job. And they've probably got like six or seven Godzilla movies that they've, they've reviewed. It's totally, totally worth a listen. Uh, and actually they've, they actually were around way before the Kaiju cast. I think they started in like 2006 or something like that. Oh, wow. Way hmm. long ago. But, uh, uh, it's essentially they just review movies and in their slew of movies, I want to say they've got like 500 episodes or something like that. Jeez. I'm not exactly sure, but. They've got a ton of episodes, and they've done uh, Godzilla ugh, Final Wars, Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, Godzilla, you know, versus Gigan. A lot of like Showa era films, and they're just they're really great to listen to, and they're not long. You know, we mm-hmm. take a long time here on the podcast <laughs> sometimes, and uh, they're this is a, a really easy to listen to. Uh, there's also a new one called the Godzilla Pod War Hour. Uh, and there's another brand new one that just started, like, I think last week called Panzer Crush Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. So I got to really step up my game so that I can, like, keep you're, my <laughs> listeners. Yeah. You're going to have to rebrand this thing with some kind of, yeah. No, Major tank attack ridgeline no, Godzilla podcast. I don't, I don't need to do that, right? Like my listeners. <laughs> no, are, not at all. You guys are loyal, right? <laughs> I'm like caressing Wait. my Finn figure here. Like you guys aren't gonna leave me for another podcast, right? Come back. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, check those guys out. There'll be links in the show notes to all of those. And speaking of stepping up the game, the last big announcement for uh for the podcast is. The 100th episode of the Kaiju Cast will be the live emergency broadcast. And that is going to take place Sunday, January 12th, 2014. Five years, you guys. It'll be five years of the show. Awesome. You like how I timed that? Episode 100 is also the five-year anniversary of the show. That's good. Sweet. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm lining up the guests, lining up the prizes, lining up uh, where we're going to broadcast it through and the chat room situation as well. But mark your calendars, guys, for Sunday, January 12th. Anyway, big thanks to everybody who sent in their Daikaiju discussions. Big thanks to Martin and Rachel for showing up here tonight and hanging out with me and watching Matango. Remember, if you want to send in your Daikaiju discussion homework for Atragon, you make sure you get that in by December 23rd. We are going to close out the show with our standard spiel. If you found the podcast through iTunes or some other podcast directory and you want to experience all of the awesomeness of KaijuCast.com, put KaijuCast.com into your address field and hit enter and then just be amazed at all the awesome stuff we have going on there. 
Uh, what kind of awesome stuff do you ask? Well, it's like there's like a full episode list, a full list of Daikaiju discussions. Uh, we have to get that about us page like finished up. So <laughs> it doesn't just have my information on it because I'm, you know, not that selfish. Uh, all of the links to all of our social media outlets are on there. Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. That counts, right? As social media. Yeah. Uh, and then also our commentaries. There's a link to those. Uh, you can listen to us on Stitcher or the Mediocre Radio Network if you don't want to subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever your podcatcher is. But please do subscribe to us. That would be really amazing. I personally would appreciate it very much. And you know what? <laughs> as long as I'm talking about things, I would appreciate. Uh, please do write us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever your podcatcher of choices, if they allow reviews, you know, that kind of stuff helps us out in the rankings and in this uh, professional medium that I am a part of. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I I definitely want to still provide a fantastic show and, and so forth. If you want to become a member of the Kaiju Core, go to kaijucast.com slash support. And I think that pretty much covers everything I need to talk about. So we are going to close out the show with two songs the last two requests of the evening we're going to finish things off with highway road by richiro manabe from godzilla versus megalon that is for herman and then we're going to play ultraman dinah's theme for ben and that pretty much does it for this month join us in december for another very special awesome interview or episode or something whatever we're going to do they for always the first are month. they're always awesome <laughs> Always awesome. All right. So we'll see you next month. Jamata.